Hello, and welcome to the Revenue Marketing Report powered by Caliber Mind. Our goal on the RMR is to help operations professionals up-level their game. Today, I'm thrilled to introduce Z Jeremick. Welcome to the show. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Kamala. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, my name is Z Jeremick. I'm a, a master consultant focusing on marketing and sales automation. For the last 15 years, I absolutely love this space. I love the promise, love what can do. So happy to be here. Lots of perspectives to share and yeah, excited to, uh, to engage. Yeah, I am so excited to talk about this topic because it is very top of mind for a lot of people right now as we're analyzing our budgets and figuring out where to spend and where not to spend. I would love, before we jump into the tech, which we both love to talk about, let's talk a little bit about marketing analytics and why it's such a struggle. I think we had some interesting talking points when we first met. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, uh, lots to talk about on this topic. I think simply put, analytics are a struggle for marketing for a number of reasons. So one of the big reasons is historical, right? Like uh, historically, marketing has primarily been responsible for creating awareness, uh, which is not necessarily something that's easy to, to quantify, right? So there's been a, a lot of focus historically on marketing has always been we got to build a brand and we got to create awareness in the space. So we got to run ads and you know, so most of the analytics that marketers are used to looking at are impressions, impressions on ads, uh, click-throughs, right, on, on ads. But where, what happens with the click-through afterwards, again, especially when we're looking at the B2B domain, when it comes to marketing, it usually stops with lead generation. But again, even that's a whole rich topic around what is a lead. Oh, gosh, yeah. I, I think that's one of the key areas or causes for misalignment between business units is what is a lead. I think we've said it before on the show, and we'll say it again. If you don't have your definitions nailed down and you don't stick to them, whether that's an inadvertently with system setup or maybe you're trying to hit a goal, you're just going to create a lot of tension between teams. A couple other things I'd like to throw out there. First one is fairly obvious because we use so many different tools in marketing and they don't talk the same language. We get a lot of uh, difficult data to stitch together. But one of the things I've found really interesting watching different board meetings uh, growing up in this business is we haven't standardized on metrics in marketing. And we look at the other departments, sales, customer success, product even, they tend to use really consistent metrics from business to business. Do you think this is hurting us at all, or do you think there's something we can do about it? Is it hurting? Absolutely. Can something be done? Absolutely. Is it easy? No, which is one of the reasons it's not being done. I would argue that marketing is growing up actively very fast into uh, a more... And a more mature practice that is going to that is uh, going to define metrics that are going to be universal. However, that process is painful, is hairy, and and that I feel like that's what we're living through. That's what we've been living through the last ten years, and that's what we're going to be living through. I think for the next ten years is the is the active process of getting agreement and some standardization around what is worthwhile and what isn't. I mean, I think I'll just throw out this idea that even if something as simple, not simple as attribution is a good example of that, or you know, leads, right? It, even again, let's talk about leads. Something as simple as a lead, there is again, across organizations, 
there's different definitions of what a lead is. And again, even within organizations, marketing organizations going to have a different definition in most organizations of what a, lead, what a sales organizations will have. And then you start looking at operational elements of the business or, you know, you look at like, you know, like the financial aspect of the business. And again, they will have their own definitions. And that misalignment is a, a, a major obstacle. Well, we're going to have to have you back on the show because we could talk about this for hours, I'm sure. Um, there's just so many issues. But let's step back a little bit and talk about the crawl, walk, run approach to marketing. So I am 100% with you. We can standardize on metrics. I think it's going to have to look different for different sizes of businesses because of what we're able to do with the technology we can afford at different points in time. Could be debatable. But what I really wanted to address is when should we back off of some key investments? I think what's spurring this is both of us have seen people move from a large organization or maybe they've just heard what's best in breed and want to invest in that immediately. What are some key signs that you're a little early to jump to the big guns? And what are the, first, what are the big guns? And then we'll talk about what are the key signs that we should hold back a little bit on investing in those at this time? So I, I think we're talking about technology right now, right? So when we're talking, okay, yeah, yeah. So I have a fairly strong point of view here, especially when it comes to B2B uh, marketing and sales. So the big guns for me when it comes to technology are your marketing automation and your sales automation slash CRM. I think those are, it's a no-brainer. Those are the systems that you absolutely require. And the beautiful thing is I think that there is, should be no difference between whether you're a $5 million scaling business or $100 million or a $1 billion uh, business. These systems are foundational and there's there's been enough maturity now where there's different types of systems that you can adopt that will give you the core functionality irregardless of your size. And then really, again, you, you start talking to enterprise, yeah, you need a little more integration customization and you can look to those types of systems. I mean, if we, even if we'll get really tactical here around which systems, I mean, I think that yeah, for better or worse, Salesforce, you know, has won the, the CRM battle. They are the dominant system. And again, it's not, it's not a cheap system, but at the same time, the fact that it, you pay by the license means that it does actually scale fairly well for smaller as well as larger organizations. Smaller organizations, you just don't have that many salespeople. Therefore, you're not going to be paying as much as a big organization. The beautiful thing for big organizations is that, yeah, you're paying a lot, but you have so much flexibility and power in that platform because what most people don't understand about Salesforce it is not a CRM. It is a CRM, but CRM is a, a small part of it. It is a massive sales automation platform, and that to me is the potential and uh, why I actually think that they've actually won. The One of the many reasons they won the CRM battle. When you look at marketing automation, again, it's just, it's just it's a little more complex, but certainly you have, you know, you have the more established, larger systems, but you also have a number of smaller systems. I mean, HubSpot to me is a great example of a system that used to be SMB, but is very quickly kind of elevating itself to beyond mid-market. Oh, yeah. They've been closing a lot of gaps there in, in functionality. I would totally agree with you on that one. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, it's a, and again, even what, what shocked me over the last year or two is to even see, you know, a traditional ESP system, more like just like a simple mailing system like MailChimp, build in certain key uh, elements of marketing automation and essentially providing a very cost effective 
platform for smaller businesses to get to get some core marketing automation capabilities. So I think those two systems are a no-brainer. You need to have a marketing automation system and you need to have a CRM system. And when you look at your funnel, the only other system that I'm not even going to talk about it because you've got to have a CMS system. You've got to have, you know, uh, an ability to host your website. So really then those are the three. But again, to me, CMS is not even like everyone's got to have a CMS. You've got to be able to host a website. Uh, but beyond that, really, you're talking marketing automation, kind of the middle of the top middle of the funnel, and then you have your CRM system at the bottom of the funnel. It's a no-brainer. So a couple core potential missteps I see people make is um, investing in a cruise ship when they all only really need a tugboat, and we talked about that a bit. So would you expand on that? So yeah, so so many thoughts on that. Yeah, we've seen it time and time and time and time and time again. I mean, it's, there's very, it's very straightforward why it happens. Obviously, any organization looks at, uh, when they look at, and uh, you know, they identify a need, right? We need, like, for example, we need a marketing automation system, right? They'll, most organizations run an RFP, right? They'll do, and then do, they'll do their research and they'll figure, and then again, you look at your platforms and everyone wants the best. And this is kind of what ends up happening is that most organizations are looking at what are other companies using? What's the best solution? And so... Before you know it, you're buying a system that is the best solution, that is a system that maybe most organizations are using, but that is more than likely way more than what you need. And I, I think the best example of this is, again, you, and what we've seen this time and time again, marketing organizations, like maturing, growing marketing organizations that really have, you know, a team of, let's say, 10 marketers max are buying systems that are meant for teams of you know hundreds, right? Where because if you have a team of a hundred marketers, you're going to be able to put you know you're going to have a, a small team of marketing operations professionals who can run the programs in these bigger, more complex Ferrari style platforms. If you have half of a marketing operations resources one, the reality is that you need a simpler system because you're just not you know you don't have the complexity and what the complexity will do, yeah, it gives you the power, but it really, what most people don't realize, it constrains you because the amount of time you have to invest to harness the power takes away from the bread and butter of marketing, which is running campaigns. Oh, I 100% agree. And I think one of my points of frustration is companies not willing to invest in operations are willing to invest in a giant platform. And to me, that's putting the cart way before the horse. The other thing I see a lot of times is you'll have an admin or even a functional player in marketing who has used a certain system, is used to it, and wants to see it again without thinking through all of the pieces that need to be put in a very specific order in order for it to function the way they're used to it functioning. Absolutely. I mean, I think part of this is just, again, I... I, we, all of us suffer from that. It's a bit of a human folly, right? What's comfortable, what's familiar creates the illusion of being the ideal. And, and because it's a shortcut, all of us operate, humans operate with shortcuts, right? How do we conserve energy? Uh, but really, it's a, the, 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 and the, the goal should be to look at what are, what's the goal that we're, what's the problem we're trying to solve? And what's the goal we're trying to achieve? And then you look at what, you know, tools, including processes do we need to get there and that that's harder to do and there's so much pressure on most professionals marketing especially that as a result shortcuts being taken end up being taken and they work in the short term but you you damage yourself in the mid to long term and we've seen this time and time again again a lot of 
our engagements have come from companies buying tools that, you know, even if they're not too much for them, that they weren't able to utilize in the product, they didn't invest into, into and again, the easiest thing, you know, for me as a, as a consultant, as, you know, services guy, is to say you're not, you're investing too much in knowledge, not enough into services. So it's easy to say that. It's not about investing in services. It's about investing into the knowledge that you need to operate the platform. The knowledge doesn't, doesn't have to come externally. It can come internally, but you still have to hire. And I think a lot of the folly here comes from how technology has been evolving so quickly and how we buy technology in that we buy technology based on guidance from the software vendors and the major advisories, you know, Forrester, Gartner, et cetera. And most of them are focused on the technology itself, not on what it takes to be successful with technology. And again, if I were to give, you know, your listeners a, a guide to think about it is that most people just look at technology. What you need to think about is you need to be spending two to five X. And I would say three to five X to be, to be, you know, maybe narrowed in more on knowledge to run the platform. So if you're going to spend $100,000 on a marketing automation platform a year, you should be budgeting three to $500,000 in addition on the knowledge required to actually get the results that those vendors are selling to you that you should be able to get, which you can if you invest in the right way. But they're not going to tell you because all of a sudden, then if they tell you that they're not selling you a $100,000 solution, they're selling you a $500,000 solution which again, you're not going to get as many buyers. So the software vendors don't have an incentive to actually be realistic about what it takes to be successful. And the buyers also like knowing they have to buy, trying to manage budget against so many potential expenditures, don't ask the right questions around what is it really going to take for us to achieve this vision that you and the analysts are saying is possible. And so you end up with this disconnect and a lot of frustration. So I think you just definitively answered whether we hire people or technology first. And I totally <laughs> agree that you need to invest in the people in order to get the most out of your technology. The other thing that's really interesting to me is that I see a lot of small businesses try to hire cheap admin people. They haven't had any experience. Maybe they have a certification, but they've never actually run an implementation or something along those lines. What they're not taking into account is the cost they will be incurring long-term just iterating and fixing and iterating and fixing instead of getting it set up stably first and then building on top of that solid foundation? Is that something you see quite often in the market? I'm seeing you nod. <laughs> constant, constant. But it all goes back, again, it all goes back to that fundamental misalignment around what is an actual investment into I don't it, this technology, but it's not. About, it's about the goals that you're you're buying technology to achieve a goal, and so being realistic and having the right guidance and advice around what is it going to take to achieve the goal from a total investment. Because if you're looking at it that way, then you're actually much more likely to avoid these problems. But again, the proof is in the pudding. The reality is that most companies run into this problem because they're looking at we got to get this. They're looking from a tool problem, tool point of view. We got to get the tool, and then they're looking how do we operate this tool. And then what they're finding oftentimes, first of all, I mean, let's be honest here, there is this whole marketing sales automation field has exploded over the last 10 years. And most companies are, because most companies are recognized, they need it. The knowledge gap is massive. There is just a, a severe lack of talent of people who actually know how to operate these tools and how to actually, more importantly, think about how to actually integrate these tools and how to augment the business processes to actually leverage the tools in the marketplace. And so what ends up happening is that you buy the tool, you're not budgeting properly for the knowledge that you need to operate it. And then you're looking at it, well, I just need someone to operate it. 
and then you don't have the talent and then you settle for whatever is available and you end up with very junior people and this has been the problem for salesforce for years you know you know if you talk to a salesforce admin in any organization they know how to create fields and maybe manage some roles and i mean i don't want to be I, I hate to offend, there's, there's amazing administrators out there, but that's what they are, they're administrators. The reality is that these tools need a lot more than administrators. And I think that when you look at what's been happening, certainly over the last 10 years, this, this growth of marketing operations is uh, essentially a, a result of, 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 a, of a, a reaction to the realization that you actually need a, some organization around how you're actually approach, attempting to use these tools. And on top of that, I think that this whole beginning of the conversation that started, I think, two or three years ago around potentially revenue operations and the idea of integrating marketing and sales operations, which are still very much disconnected teams that are tactically trying to help their groups, marketing and sales, operate more effectively and still are operating in silos. So the idea of unifying them, I think it's a similar. And again, we are yet to see this really kind of mature, just like marketing operations still maturing. Sales operations, again, I, in what I've seen has matured very little from the 90s when CRM was first rolled out and there was a recognition that you need people to operate CRM. And what's happened is there's 20 years that have passed since then of CRM morphing into sales automation, having a similar type of potential that you know marketing operations has been, marketing automation has been offering. And yet there's a dearth of knowledge and, and experience and, and, and and even realization that this is something that is absolutely necessary to invest in if you're going to get anything more than an ability to send an email from your marketing automation system or to log a lead or an opportunity in a CRM system. I'm trying to stay away from the soapbox, but I'm going to charge straight for it. Um, I can't tell you how many times being in sales operations, I was frustrated with marketing operations because they didn't understand how the systems connected and that everything they did upstream blew up things downstream. And then when I moved to marketing operations, vice versa. So if you don't understand, I think the main takeaway here is you can understand how to do small tactical things, but if you're not stepping back and looking at how everything plays together, especially if you have a lot of automations in place. If you don't understand how the systems are connected and how your whole ecosystem is working together, you're going to really blow up teams up and downstream. Like that's just all there is to it. So I totally agree with you that we need to move away from the administrative ticket taker view and start looking at things from a more system architecture consultative approach. Amen. <laughs> Oh, gosh. And another thing I want to uh, drill into a little bit more that I heard you say is ask what you're trying to solve before you buy the. And I see this all the time with attribution, all the time. What I see a lot of times is that people are purchasing or investing in tools that will help them optimize their campaigns. But what they really want to do is prove to the rest of the business what marketing is contributing along with the rest of the organizations. And it is so important when you're investing in technology like that to understand what your executive team is trying to answer and make sure that your tool can do what they're trying to do. And it's very difficult to implement, but it's just resonating so much because I think a lot of people are jaded and angry and just, you know, attribution is a hot button topic that everybody kind of loves to hate. And I'm like, well, 
if you think through it a little more and what you're trying to solve, you bought the wrong tool. Does that resonate with you at all? Or am I just getting on the attribution high horse here? <laughs> no, 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 no. We, I, 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 we've been living and breathing attribution for years now. And I, and, and for, I, I think I'd like to think for the right reasons, because this is, I think the hot topic, like you said, everybody loves to hate. And again, everybody loves to hate. If we go back to the beginning of this conversation, I think you very accurately said there is no definition or standard sta standard around what what marketing should be measured on or how to actually even quantify the value of marketing in organizations. And again, when you look at historically, that just wasn't needed. But increasingly, and I think it's been fascinating to watch over the last five years, increasingly, you're starting to see executives, finance start push on marketing and marketing budgets to basically quantify the value that they're adding to the business. And with, with the proliferation of technology, there is a rightful recognition from the senior layers that you should be able to do it, or at least provide a little bit more, um, a little bit more of a quantitative approach. However, again, challenges that it's just starting it's just still just starting and there's again there's no definitions especially when we talk about attribution and again let we're if that's even like, assuming again even attribution is a very it's a there's a lot of a lot of depth that we can get into you know are we talking about just you know straight up like you know let's say like are we talking about multi-touch attribution at its more complex layer or are you talking about like literally single touch attribution which is usually around where you sourced it or where it became an MQL or a qualified lead, right? And that's a single touch, but you start getting the multi-touch and all, you know, even a single touch doesn't have a lot of definition and a lot of agreement. Multi-touch is a mess. There's zero definitions and you start, and again, people who have some experience can start digging in and start talking about like the W or the different types of curves or shapes that you can use to, to start providing some kind of a foundation for what it is when you talk about multi-touch, how do you like multi-touch? What does that mean? You could have a hundred touch points in a complex B2B journey, right? Sorry, I can see you're like, there's so much here. Go ahead. Well, I, I just get so frustrated when people jump into the complex modeling because before you do that, you need to get agreement across the business units in what you're actually measuring and quantifying in that model itself. And too many businesses, they don't even think about that. They get a tool that just looks at campaign data and they're gonna use this really complex model to, to weigh the primary person and the first and last touch. You miss the boat because if you're trying to prove Again, this goes back to answering the question of what are you trying to answer with a multi-touch attribution model if it's your contribution to the business compared to other business units and you're ignoring what other business units are doing, I don't care what kind of model you're going to put in place, no one's going to believe it. So, oh, I'm getting sassy. <laughs> I love it. It's so true. It's so true. You, you nailed it. Think about what you're trying to answer. Think about what you need to measure to get a fair answer. And then think about the gaps that are going to exist anyway, because any tool you put in place, if you're trying to measure influence, you're going to miss out on word of mouth. There is such a thing as dark social. Podcasts are hard to track. Like all of these things are true before you can start talking about complex modeling and predictive analytics and all of these things, you need to get your business unit to agree that 
what you have is enough and you're looking at the right data points and then build the model. Like just cart horse, cart, crawl, walk, run. It's always the best way. I, I love that. I love that. And we use the crawl, walk, run approach all the time as a way to phase out and to set realistic expectations around how to actually break down these very complex problems into series of smaller, easily digestible steps. But again, I will say the reason the reason people try to skip steps is, again, the idea of energy conservation. And again, for marketers, when you look at it, their job is to create still, to create awareness, to create demand, right? Quantifying the impact is just, it's just another job that's kind of like, it seems like, oh my God, I just, can't you just do it for me? And you can't because of what you just said, because it's not just about getting it done. Because when you, and Ken, we've been there, you've been there as well. You've seen what happens. If you do just get it done, what's going to happen all of a sudden, you're going to be, you're going to arm these marketing executives with numbers. They're going to show up in the, in a, in a senior stakeholder meeting and they're going to show, here's what we're doing. And the first thing that's going to happen, sales is going to look at those numbers and be like, that's bullshit. That doesn't work. And, at, in that conversation, historically, sales is the one that basically delivers the revenue. Sales is the one that is well organized and standardized. It, who, who is the who is the, the leadership going to trust? It's going to be like, well, if the sales says it's, it's bullshit, it's probably bullshit. And there you go. And you, all this time you invested into getting a shortcut has just basically backfired because now you have to go back and re like reinvest into these in, into improving the model and again but it's not about improving the model it's exactly what you said it's about getting a joint definition first defined within marketing and then more importantly getting agreement from other groups that this is how we're going to do it and until you do that it doesn't matter what you report on because someone is always going to raise their hand and say that's not right and as soon as someone does that you're you're dead in the water yep yep absolutely like even weighted is good enough if you can get the other business units to say yeah you're looking at the right data points why make it more complicated Wow. I think we just solved a lot of problems. I will say though, like one of my core goals when I joined this company, Caliber Mind, was I looked at how attribution was being positioned in the market as a silver bullet and it can track everything. It solves all your problems. There is a lack of education and it's being sold as the quick and easy solution. And it is anything but that. So I think it's really important. There's a place for first and last touch. Um, the demand gen waterfall still has its uses, although I think it oversimplified the selling cycle and a lot of executives have it in their head that everything's linear, but that's a completely different podcast. Yeah. What are you trying to solve? It needs to always circle back to that. Every step you take on your technology journey, you just need to ask that question again to make sure you're on the right track. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Z, I know we went like in a different direction, but I'm so glad we did. This was a great conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people find you online to network? Yeah, but great, great question. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, so I mean, you can absolutely... Always uh, find us on our website, massengines.com, and you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm, I'm fairly active on LinkedIn. I love the platform. You know, I, so, yeah, those are big, probably the best places to find, find me, you know, either on LinkedIn, Z Jeremic, uh, or on my website, massengines.com. Please tell me you're coming back to the show because this was great. <laughs> I would love to. Yeah. You tell me like, I, I would love to, I, I again, cause I, I think it, again, it's it, the knowledge. Again, we talked, I mentioned that there's a dearth of knowledge and I love the fact that you, you kind of keep talking about that as well is that 
the reality is that the, the, these these uh, these practices, these disciplines, are evolving so quickly, and there's just a, a just a severe lack of knowledge, experience, and conversations around what needs to happen and how to actually think about it. So I think the more, and this is why I will say I I love what you're doing here because I think a, that this is a big part of it is having these types of conversations, socializing the concepts and the thinking, not so we can say we're right or we're wrong, but so we can actually start the dialogue because I feel like that's what's really missing is the right kind of dialogue because most of the dialogue is really the monologues from the software vendors, from the analysts, from the gurus and the, and the thought leaders. And I think that, and I think that to me, if, if anything was kind of the, one of the benefits, it's hard to talk about a pandemic and benefits, but one of the benefits of it is that people did get isolated and they actually started searching for that connection. And I think the emergence of communities over the last few years has been fantastic because the communities have actually started opening up a forum for these types of conversations. So I, I no, I absolutely, I, I, I love it. We've started our own forum kind of, uh, you know, to, as, 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 a, as a way to actually get folks engaged, not just, again, we try to bring a marketing and sales leader into, into, the, into, the, into the panel, but then we really are looking to source questions from the audience and engage the audience because it's really about the conversations that are just not happening enough. Oh yeah, I mean, the technology will always change. We'll always have to try to keep up with the technology, but the thought process around it has stayed fairly consistent for those who are at the top of their game. Thank you for being here. For those of you listening to the show, if you enjoy it, rate, review, subscribe, tell two friends, it does make a difference. And for those of you looking for more great content like this, check out calvermine.com.